A terrific Tuesday to each of you and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast on another memorable MLK Day. The Grizzlies luckily were able to start a new winning streak with a convincing win against the Chicago Bulls. On how they looked yesterday, how the Grizzlies really do still have some areas to improve, especially shooting from distance, and how the rest of January could easily define the Grizzlies' ability to remain in the top three of the Western Conference. That and much more on today's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Here we go. You are Locked On Grizzlies. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening and wherever you're watching, you are having an outstanding start to your Tuesday. A good long weekend for many of us, obviously yesterday honoring the life and legacy of the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And with that, the year, the annual celebration of his life and legacy that includes the Memphis Grizzlies playing a home game in what is one of the best regular season games every single year on the calendar. Of course, you can find myself at StatsSAC on Twitter. My name is Sean Coleman, credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. I've been covering the team for four years as part of Grizzly Bear Blues and also your host here at Locked On Grizzlies. I want to remind you, you can find the podcast wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we will be. And also right here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button below. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review via the podcast. We always want to make sure we're offering content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. So obviously the Grizzlies got into, you know, Monday's game looking to get back on track. An 11-game winning streak, one of the best periods of Grizzlies basketball that we have seen this team play in franchise history. It unfortunately came to an end on Friday night, but it was understandable, right? The Grizzlies had played eight games. In 12 days, they had been missing some of their players. Thankfully, they've gotten a lot of their depth back outside of Dylan Brooks. But the Grizzlies just ran into uh, just, you know, we talked a lot about it last year where these were where there, there was these schedule losses where the Grizzlies were playing this condensed schedule. And there were just a few games where they just needed to rest players. They had to build and rest at some point. Well, though, that's not what they did on Friday night. They didn't build and rest. But that eight games in 12 days, part of the schedule, it was much like last year. And at some point, you just knew that fatigue was going to catch up with the Grizzlies. Unfortunately, they just could not hit shots. They did not have the legs to keep up with the Mavericks in the second half of the game. And the Grizzlies just unfortunately lost for the first time in 11 games. What the great thing about it is, is that when you have an 11-game winning streak, and up to that point, you had won 21 out of your 26 previous games, it's okay for a loss to happen. Again, it it kind of stinks that the two of the only times over the past six weeks that the Grizzlies have struggled have been versus the Dallas Mavericks, who in their own right have kept pace with the Grizzlies, and they're now 9-1 over their past 10 games. It stinks that two of the times where you played your worst over the past six weeks, it came against the Mavericks. But again, when you win 21 out of 26 games, it's okay every now and then for a loss to occur. But the big key is, especially with the fact that the Grizzlies were able to get a couple of days off, a couple of days to regroup and recharge, 
the Grizzlies taking advantage of an opportunity of facing the Chicago Bulls on MLK Day. Now, it was definitely an exciting matchup, pitting two of the teams with the best five records in the NBA against each other. Unfortunately, the thing is, in terms of you know pure basketball enjoyment, when it comes to the Chicago Bulls, unfortunately, the Chicago Bulls were just shorthanded. Missing Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, that turns the Bulls into a different type of team. That bull, the, the version that we saw of the Bulls yesterday was not the version of the Bulls that had been that had ascended to the top of the Eastern Conference this season. However, at the end of the day, the Grizzlies' job is to take care of business based off what's in front of them, and that's exactly what they did on Monday. The we talk about you know, I talked about last week. The Grizzlies setting the tone early, putting together a full 48 minutes of basketball. Well, they struggled in terms of the scoreboard offensively early on, but the Grizzlies did set the tone early by being able to cause the Bulls to commit eight turnovers in the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, the score was 20 to 20 with the Bulls versus the Grizzlies. And the thing was, was that, you know, though the Grizzlies and Bulls were tied, it was the Grizzlies missing easy shots, whereas the Bulls were not able to get in any type of rhythm because the Grizzlies kept putting good pressure on the Bulls, kept creating turnovers, kept creating tough shots for Chicago. And though Chicago made a few of them, the Grizzlies were able to set the tone early. And that set the stage for the second quarter when the Grizzlies scored 38 points and they finally were able to find their shot from three. Desmond Bain did the heavy lifting, which is going to be a key word for this game. Desmond Bain did the heavy lifting in the first half, a career-high 19 points in the first half, including three threes on the second quarter, 15 total points in that second quarter. And the Grizzlies were able, though they did not get a score advantage in the first quarter, they set the tone with their defense once again. And then like we've seen as a trend this season, the Grizzlies will set the defensive tone early in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, they'll let their offense find its rhythm. And that's exactly what it did. And the Grizzlies were able to take a 13-point lead. They outscored the Bulls 38-25 to in that third quarter. And they were able to take a 13-point lead into half. Well, then in the second half, the Grizzlies just kept the momentum going. They were able to get, stay ahead 15, 17, 20 points, so on and so forth. John Morant was able to find his rhythm. He did the heavy lifting in the second half while the Grizzlies' defense continued to do an excellent job not allowing the Bulls to find rhythm. But, of course, the moment of the game came in the fourth quarter where with the Grizzlies up and they they played they kept playing their starters, it seemed like uh, Darko Rajkovic wanted to continue to play his starters so that they could get some good minutes, some good rhythm underneath them. Darko Rajkovic kept the starters in the game. And, of course, there was a play where Tony Bradley of the Bulls, he extended his leg out as John Morant was trying to drive past him. John Morant, Tony Bradley's knee hit John Morant's knee. Morant didn't like it, and who could blame him? You know, when you see that type of action, you know, it definitely is not favorable. But when Tony Bradley did that, him and uh, John Morant got into a, a, to a scuffle. But if we want to talk about heavy lifting, the moment of the game was Steven Adams literally, literally lifting Tony Bradley, who stands 6'7", and I know that he's listed at 220, but in my opinion, he has to be 235, 240. But Stephen Adams, who many consider the strongest person in the game, literally picked Tony Bradley up and removed him from the situation to protect Morant and keep something worse from happening than just the scuffle 
that occurred. It was one of the more funny, but also pretty amazing moments that we've seen this year. And just a reminder of how strong Stephen Adams is, someone that we all enjoy, not only for his play, but also for the type of person that he is. But don't let it overshadow the fact Stephen Adams had five assists in that first half of the uh, of the game. He played excellent basketball, even though he did not score much. Stephen Adams played excellent basketball, getting offensive rebounds, making good defensive plays, making good passes. It was Stephen Adams and his ability to be able to contribute in different ways outside of scoring, gaining extra possessions from offensive rebounds and making good passes that resulted in high percentage shots. He played a big role in helping the Grizzlies find their rhythm in the second quarter, and that once again shows how much value he's adding now that he's acclimated to the Grizzlies system and making consistent impacts. But another really, really good sign was that once again, you had heavy lifting from Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark throughout the game. They combined once again for over 25-plus points. I believe that this is the eighth time they've done that as a combination over the past 10 games. But DeAnthony Melton also was able to step up and deliver 10 points, three threes. He showed activity as well. He had his best game in quite a while. And if the Anthony Melton could get his three-point shooting going, that adds to the depth that the Grizzlies need when it comes to their shooting. So overall, another impressive victory for the Grizzlies. But despite the Grizzlies winning ways, and there in no way, shape, or form should be any reason why the, the frequency at which the Grizzlies are winning, why anyone should consider that a fluke, there is still room for improvement, especially when it comes to shooting from distance for this team. I'll discuss that in just a moment. But before I do, I want to talk with you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a great opportunity because it allows for you to play the best DFS prop game that's out there on the market. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. And the great thing about it is, is that you could actually go between sports. You could do a over-under on how many yards Aaron Rodgers may throw in a playoff game, or over-under on how many offensive rebounds Steven Adams gets in a basketball game. And you've got a prize picks. If you go to prizepicks.com right now, what they will do is they will allow for you to, if you use the promo code NBA, you'll get 50 free dollars if your prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 free if they're if they have a prize pick entry score that scores a single part or a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Forgive me on my end, a little bit under the weather, but I can tell you this, there may be some NFL fans who claim to be other under the weather as well after some of the performances that we saw this past weekend as the NFL playoffs kicked off. But after making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day, make sure to check out the Locked On NFL show of your choice, getting ready for the divisional rounds of the playoffs. I know that I listen to Locked On Titans with Tyler Rowland as much as I possibly can, getting ready for the Titans first playoff game of the season, and the return of the king, Derrick Henry. But for whoever your favorite football team is, whether they're in the playoffs or their offseason has started, check out the Locked On NFL podcast of your choice as your second listen of the day after Locked On Grizzlies is your first listen. So without a doubt, the Grizzlies have now won 22 of their past 27 games. And I've talked many times about the formula 
that the Grizzlies are using to get the job done. Whether you look at it from a game perspective, where they're setting the tone with their defense early, letting their offense arrive in the second and third quarter, and then closing it out in the fourth quarter. Or you look at it from a roster perspective, looking at Desmond Bain and John Morant stepping up to be one of the best backcourts in the NBA to lead the offense. Last night, 25 points for both Bain and John Morant, allowing for them to be able to set the tone offensively. The Grizzlies have that backcourt combination that steps up to the plate to lead the offense. The defense, led by Jaron Jackson Jr., and when he's available, Dylan Brooks, the balance of those two aspects allowed the Grizzlies to play winning basketball. But the other thing that really stands out is that a huge benefit to this Grizzlies team is that they win games by getting more possessions, and they do it through getting through stealing at a high rate. They lead the league in steals, lead the league in blocks, also lead the league in offensive rebounds. And that's really is what been a, has been a source of success. Early in December, like through the first half of December, the Grizzlies' secret to their success was leading the league in steals. They had a franchise record 11 straight games with 10 or more steals. And that's how they were creating that possession advantage to be able to outscore their opponents. And then after that, the Grizzlies, you know, almost set NBA history again by having seven straight games where they had uh, where they had a rebound, an offensive rebounding advantage of five or more over their opponents. Again, creating that possession edge. As a matter of fact, the Grizzlies this season are second in the NBA in the number of games where they have had five or more possessions higher than their opponents. Five or more possessions than their opponents. The Grizzlies have done it on 24 different occasions where they have had five or more shots in a game than their opponents. That's second in the NBA to Toronto. And so the Grizzlies' formula to success is simple. You're led by one of the best backcourts in the NBA to lead your offense, play good opportunistic defense where you're good at creating turnovers and turning defense into offense, and you crash the boards to be able to create extra possessions. The Grizzlies are getting those extra possessions as well as any team in the NBA, and that's how they are beating opponents. But one thing that's kind of eye-opening with how well the Grizzlies have been playing is that despite the fact that they won 11 games in a row over that span, the Grizzlies actually were 30th in the NBA when it comes to free throw percentage and 29th in the NBA when it comes to three-point percentage. That's correct. Though the Grizzlies had won 11 straight games, they actually were arguably the worst free throw shooting and three-point shooting team in the NBA. And it showed up at times, right? We saw there be times where the Grizzlies, though they were able to overcome it, the Grizzlies struggle from three. The Grizzlies struggle making free throws, made things a bit more tense than they should have been during that 11-game winning streak. But the Grizzlies, again, were able to overcome it because they eventually created the extra possessions in order to win the game. But the thing about it is this, is that the Grizzlies now have won 22 of their past 27 games. And with them being now at 31 and 15, they're one of only four teams now, I believe, that have 30-plus wins. However you want to put it, when it comes to record-wise in the NBA, the Grizzlies being discussed as a title contender truly makes sense. They're one of, they have one of the five best records in the NBA. They're now third in the Western Conference, and they've looked very good against the NBA's best teams this season. 
But in my opinion, and why I say there's, I'm still not truly convinced they're a true contender is because there are areas where the Grizzlies are going to have to improve. And shooting the three better and shooting free throws better, those are going to be essential developments for this Grizzlies team to truly develop the traits that it needs to in order to advance in the playoffs. Because playoff basketball is going to be a bit of a different style than regular season basketball. We've all seen that before. And being able to consistently find high percentage threes, making free throws, not making mistakes, those play a big part in which teams advance in the playoffs. If you want a good example of that, go look at the series between the Jazz and the Grizzlies last summer, where the Jazz, every time the Grizzlies tried to get back into games in games two through five, the Jazz were able to make a high percentage three because of excellent ball movement, excellent offensive scheme, and they were able to win those four games because they can they could reliably hit the three when they needed to to stop a Grizzlies run. The Grizzlies need to develop that trait about themselves. Now, for instance, yesterday, they showed they can do it. For the last three quarters of the game, the Grizzlies were 10 of 18 from three. And every time that Chicago would make a few threes of their own, the Grizzlies would be able to make a needed three for them to be able to stay comfortably ahead. And that's how they were able to win the game. But once again, Chicago actually made 13 threes to the Grizzlies' 10. And the Grizzlies do consistently find themselves behind when it comes to shooting the three. The Grizzlies have had less threes than their opponents in 26 of their 46 games this year. That is second, or excuse me, that is tied for the most games in the NBA in terms of the Grizzlies having less threes than their opponents. And if you look at the top of that uh, of that leaderboard, if you look at which teams have had fewer threes in games than their opponents the most times this year, it's the Grizzlies and a lot of other teams that are right now among the top uh, among the 10 worst teams in the NBA. Another interesting statistical perspective is that over the past uh, five years, we have really seen, obviously, the three-point era come into play. And you've had 59 teams over the past five years that have allowed 500 threes and made 500 threes through the first 45 games of their season. That was for the Grizzlies after Friday. But allowed for allowed 500 threes and made 500 threes. I bring that up because of those 59 teams, the Grizzlies had the second worst net differential through 45 games, through actually now 46 games this year. The Grizzlies opponents have made 62 more threes than the Grizzlies. If you go back over the past five years, and if you look at the net differential, if you look at teams that have made that many fewer threes than their opponent this far into the season, you'll see just how against the odds the Grizzlies are when it comes to them winning. They're the outlier because other teams over the past five years that have had this big of a differential between how many threes they made and how many threes their opponents made, they typically have a losing record. They typically are a clear lottery team. But the Grizzlies are able to overcome it 
because of how dominant they've been at creating extra possessions and taking advantage of it when it comes to scoring points inside the arc and inside the paint. So the key for the Grizzlies is not that they need to get to where they're a top five three-point shooting team. This Grizzlies team, though it would be great, they don't need to go back to what they did in April of 2021 where they out of nowhere became a top five three-point shooting team in the league. But at the very least, they need to do a better job of prioritizing good looks just like they did yesterday. And one of the things that certainly would help out is Desmond Bain. We know that he's going to shoot the three-wheel. Tyus Jones, we know he's shooting the three-wheel. John Conchar as well is shooting the three-wheel. But in the month of January, before yesterday's game, those three players shot 46% from three. The rest of the roster shot 23.7% from three. The Grizzlies need to get more contributions from the rest of the roster. DeAnthony Melton yesterday... Three three three-pointers, hopefully that's the start of something good. Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously, as well. So the Grizzlies don't need to get back to shooting 43s a game, in my opinion. They need to remain focused on getting as high percentage of a shot every time down as much as possible. It's just the Grizzlies need to find out, to figure out, and better shooting from the roster, better looks, better passing, like we saw from you know Stephen Adams and others yesterday. Those are ways to allow for the three-pointer to become a reliable part of the option. Because again, at the end of the day, the Grizzlies don't need to all of a sudden start out shooting their opponents by two or three made threes per game. That's not likely. But if they can at the very least support their elite ability to create extra possessions, to win the possession battle significantly game in and game out by shooting the three at a reliable clip, by hitting open shots, by creating high percentage looks consistently from three, that's the next step this team can take. And if they can do that consistently, that's what's going to make this team be put in a position to where they can advance in the playoffs. So in no way, shape, or form is the success that the Grizzlies are having, should that be considered a fluke. That's not true at all. But I do think that the Grizzlies have room to grow, and especially with DeAnthony Melton, hopefully Dylan Brooks when he gets back, Jaron Jackson Jr., and hopefully John Morant. If those three players, or three or four players, can support Bain and Tyus, and we can see that depth once again in the Grizzlies' three-point shooting ability come alive, that is another aspect that would allow for this team to be the best version of itself and a team that truly can get past the first round of the playoffs this year and be competitive against the Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, and whomever. That's a big area of growth that the Grizzlies have remaining. That's always been the case for this team over the past several years. But this time, you have to have faith they have the talent to do that. And the Grizzlies are going to need to do that soon because the rest of January provides a very tough stretch for the Grizzlies that either will very much cement them in the top three of the West or could could make things very interesting for them as the playoff positioning starts to become more important as we get closer to April. But before we talk about that, we'll also talk with you a bit about Bet online. Listen, if you enjoy betting and wagering on sports, it's a great time to do it. You got the NFL playoffs, UFC. You've got the playoff stretches for both for both 
hockey and basketball coming up as well. And the thing about it is, is that if you enjoy a new and improved website from where you like to bet, BetOnline AG's got that. Go do, on your laptop or mobile device. Head to betonline.ag, and if you put in the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you check out betonline.ag today, the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action. Another thing that stands out is, is that we're now less than three weeks away from the 2022 NBA trade deadline. Plus, this week we've got the fine that we got the final voting stretch. For the NBA All-Star Game, check out all of the updates and news around the NBA on the Locked On NBA podcast, free on all podcast platforms right here as well on YouTube. Check it out as your second listen of the day after you make Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. So obviously the Grizzlies being able to win at the rate that they have, again, 22 out of 27 games, it's been outstanding to see the success they have had. But the crazy thing is, is that you would have hoped that the Grizzlies would be able, the Grizzlies have certainly made room. They have moved up that Western Conference leaderboard to where now they're third in the Western Conference by a game over the Utah Jazz. But the other thing is, is that when it comes to home court advantage, the Grizzlies actually have not made up that much ground when it comes to the fifth spot in the West. They still have a comfortable lead. Right now, the Grizzlies have a five-game lead on the Dallas Mavericks in both the Southwest Division and the Western Conference. But the Mavericks are now starting to put the pressure a bit on the Jazz and on that uh, on a top-four spot because they've now won nine out of their past ten games, much like the Grizzlies, due to a much-improved defense that for the that for the Mavericks now, I believe, is top five in the NBA this season. And so while the Grizzlies certainly are in a good position, and they certainly still, it still seems very likely that they'll maintain a top four spot in the West, they also are going to have to continue to win at an impressive rate to ensure that that happens. And the rest of the month of January, as Taylor Jenkins talked about as early as mid-December, the rest of the month of January is truly going to test the Grizzlies' ability to continue winning and stay on the pace and stay in that favorable position of being in the top three in the West. Because tomorrow, the Grizzlies face off against the Bucks on the road. They then go to Denver this upcoming Friday. Next, uh, this upcoming Sunday, they play the Mavericks again, and then they'll have two days off before they face off against the Spurs. So the Grizzlies are about to take one of the longer road trips this year so far that they've taken, and each and every one of these games are going to be either against a playoff opponent or, in the Spurs, a team that does play the Grizzlies well. And then after they play the game against the Spurs on January 26th, they come home and they then play the Grizz the, the, the Jazz, who obviously the Grizzlies are, you know, right now battling for that third and fourth spot in the West. But then they welcome the Wizards, who absolutely crushed the Grizzlies the last time they played, and the 76ers, who are one of the best teams right now playing basketball in the Eastern Conference. So that is six out of the next seven games in the month of January, four of which are going to be on the road that the Grizzlies are going to be facing off against playoff teams. And again, you should have full faith in the Grizzlies being able to make the most of that schedule because here recently, during that 11-game winning streak, it wasn't like it was when they were without John Morant in early December. 
where the Grizzlies were beating teams that were eating were either beating some of the um, you know worst teams in the NBA or beating teams without their stars. The Grizzlies during their 11 game winning streak with John Moran beat some of the best teams in the NBA. So you certainly feel that the Grizzlies are going to be in a position to where they're going to be fine during this stretch of games. Because at the end of the day, the Grizzlies are 31 and 15. If they go three and four or better, that means that going into February, where before the All-Star break, the Grizzlies will have the easiest schedule in the NBA between the start of February and when the NBA All-Star break occurs on February 16th. During that stretch, the Grizzlies have the easiest schedule in the NBA. But if the Grizzlies can get past this six out of the next seven games against current NBA playoff teams, and they could be three and four or better, you're looking at this Memphis team entering February 15, 16 games above 500, and then entering the All-Star break where, they'll, where, where they will have played over 60 games by that time, entering the All-Star break, the Grizzlies could potentially be 20 games above 500. That is certainly a, a, a reasonable outcome with where they stand. I'm not guaranteeing it, but if the Grizzlies can find success over the next two weeks on a very tough schedule in which the majority of the games will be on the road, the Grizzlies can find themselves in an outstanding position, again, more than 20 games above 500 before the All-Star break. But they're going to have to start, they're going to have to consistently play to the level that they can. They're going to have to take advantage of hitting their free throws. They're going to have to take advantage of hitting their open shots. They're going to have to keep their advantage when it comes to getting those extra possessions, but also solid bench play. And one thing that I'll say about the bench, and and, and Darko Rajakovic talked about it before yesterday's game. One thing about the bench that has stood out, and you could thank Kyle Anderson, you could thank Melton, you could thank Brandon Clark, and even Tyus Jones with his improved defensive play this year. One thing that stands out about this Grizzlies bench is as good as they're playing on offense, again, their defense has also, the second unit defense against other second units for the Grizzlies, the second unit defense for the Grizzlies has also made a difference. That's a big reason why the bench unit has been able to maintain advantages when the best players for both teams are on the court in Grizzlies games. Those trends are going to have to continue. Winning the possession battle, turning defense into offense, winning the board battle, winning the bench minutes. All those reasons why. All those are reasons why the Grizzlies have been able to win like they have, supporting the excellent play of John Morant and Desmond Bain. But if the Grizzlies can navigate through this tough schedule to end January, you're then looking at them being in a position where maybe 15, 16 games above 500 to start February, the Grizzlies then have a very manageable part of their schedule, and you could see them being 20 games or better above 500. And at that point, as we enter the All-Star break starting February 16th, where NBA teams will be off for a week or more, at that point, you're looking at getting Dylan Brooks back. You're looking at any potential additions you see at the trade deadline, though, again, I don't think that there's going to likely be a significant one. But you're going to see this Grizzlies team be able to recharge, reload, get refocused for the final stretch run of the season. And you could really see them 
make the most of being in that top three of the West to where they can position themselves to be able to get that first round playoff win. A lot of excitement going on with the Grizzlies right now, as there should be. John Morant playing at the level that he has his 360 layup. Just another outstanding highlight. I don't know if there's going to be a player this year who's going to be have a better end-of-the-year highlight package than John Morant. But with many of the players doing the, the heavy lifting figuratively, but also literally, the Grizzlies are well positioned to be able to take on this tough end of end of January. And if they could do that, they could find themselves in a very special position from February on, especially once they get Dylan Brooks back and can start seeing just how much this team can play well with their best players available to play together. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast on tomorrow's edition of the show. We'll look at the Bucks. But we'll look at the game against the Bucks and also how the Grizzlies can continue to improve even with including playing time for Zaire Williams and others. Just how well some lineups are doing with Zaire Williams now versus how they were doing in the past to show that he is in a position where he's consistently contributing for this team. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. But until then, have a great day. Go Grizzlies, and we'll talk to you again soon.